Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's edition of What Did I Just Hear, a follow-along podcast for Trinity UMC's CrossConnect service. Before we can discuss what we heard from the sermon, first we have to hear the sermon. If you have already listened to this week's sermon, please feel free to skip ahead. Otherwise, please enjoy this clip from this Sunday's morning service. All right, so just a reminder or first time, if this is the first time you're joining us here at CrossConnect, we are right now in the second chapter, uh, starting the second chapter of the story resource, which is, uh, it's a presentation of the Bible, but in a novel format kind of way. And if you ever want to know what scriptures you're reading without having to like Google it, there's actually a list in the back that you can find. So like for those who need to know what you're reading, it's there. Okay. Um, But, but Last week we did chapter one, in the beginning. We did the creation story and uh, we had Adam and Eve and Noah and the flood. I mean, we covered a lot, right? And, and if you read the story throughout the week, you covered a little bit more than we are able to cover here in worship. So we do want to encourage you, pick up a book if you haven't already. If you're worshiping at home and you need one, let us know and we'll get it to you. Uh, but we have plenty of copies for everybody of different ages because we are really trying to dive deep and, and lay this foundation of God's word here at Cross Connect because we believe that, that God is continuing to make our story out of this original story. So today, again, we're diving into to, uh, chapter two, which uh, is titled God Builds a Nation, all right? And so if, if you have already read this one, um, you know that that we've got a little bit of a soap opera going on here in chapter two. There, there's some juicy stuff that's taking place here in chapter two. There's stories of jealousy and, and deceit. There's stories of trickery and just kind of, am I reading the Bible kind of stories, you know? You're, you're just wondering what's going on here. Um, but also what we find here in this chapter is, is the moment where God establishes the second covenant. Uh, we talked last time about the first covenant where, where God promises not to destroy all of uh, living kind anymore. And here, this, this second covenant made with Abraham is, is, you know, that God is choosing a people, creating a nation, and promising that there will be a place for them, a promised land for them. And, and so those are all things that we find throughout this. And, and it covers the story of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, it covers the story of um, Hagar and Ishmael. It covers the story of Isaac and Rebekah. It covers the story of Jacob and Esau. And, and so there's a lot, a lot of, of content. And we're not going to be able to dive into all of it today together. So again, I encourage you to read it if you can uh, throughout the week. But just to kind of touch base on a little Father Abraham, right, that we got to sing about today. Um, you know, gosh, Abraham's story. It is such an amazing story of faith. And if you, if you read through uh, the story, there are so many places where, like I ended up, I, I, I draw in my books. I don't know if y'all do that. But like there were so many places where like, I, I like drew a box around it because it's like, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. And, and, and what we find in Abraham's story is a story of just unbelievable faith unbelievable faith where when God said it, the craziest stuff in the world that, that God said to Abraham, it says that Abraham did it, that, that he obeyed. When, when, and when God started talking to Abraham with all this kind of stuff that he was doing, he was 75 um, and, and older. So, you know, just kind of let that part of it sink in too. Like not only was he faithful, he was faithful in kind of the later years of his life when all these changes, all of these significant moments um, are not things that would be in your typical experience. All right. And, and one of those is, is God says, hey, hey, Abraham, I want you to pack up all your stuff and I want you to just start traveling. Like, I'm not going to, it's just kind of like a destination unknown kind of game that we're going to play here. I'm not telling you where you're going. Uh, You're not going to get a map. You're not going to get the route. But I just want you to pack up all your stuff and just start walking. And I'll tell you when to turn right. And I'll tell you when to turn left. And I'll tell you when we get there. And and so that, that's what, that's what happens. And so Abraham says, 
All right, Sarah, let's start packing up. And they start traveling. And they go until God says stop. They go until they get where God needs them to go by faith. Um, What we also see about uh, Abraham, when he is in his mid-80s, Abraham and Sarah don't have any children. And God, again, establishes this covenant. He makes this promise to to all of humanity through Abraham. You are going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's kind of looking around. He's like, I mean... Just, just kind of trying to figure, figure out the logistics of this, God. Like, I'm, I'm like 85. Uh, I don't have any kids. So like, how are we going to do this? But okay, you say we're going to do this, so let's do this, right? So by faith, like Abraham, he jumps in and says, okay, if you say that we're going we're, we're to make a nation out of our family, I'm just going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Um, Sarah starts to question a little bit, and so maybe... Then they send uh, Hagar, who is Sarah's handmaiden, um, you know, because maybe it doesn't have to be Sarah's baby. And so uh, Hagar ends up having a baby uh, named Ishmael. Um, and God says, nope, it's going to be a child that I bring, that I, that I, that I bring in kind of impossible circumstances. And so when, when Abraham is 99 and when Sarah is 90, here comes Isaac, the child of laughter, right? Because this is like a crazy situation. Um, it's just one of the things that like only God could make happen, right? And, and through it all, through it all, through every single thing, by faith, Abraham says, yes, Lord, whatever you say, Lord, I will do it. I will obey you. I, I, I trust you. You will make a way. After... Uh, after Ishmael is born and after Isaac is born, this child of promise, this child of laughter, God has made a way for the impossible. God also says to Abraham to take, take your child, Isaac, and go to the top of that mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to give him to me. And what the scriptures say is by faith. Abraham packed up the wood and they walked up to the top of the mountain and they set the altar and they put Isaac on it. And Abraham was getting ready to do exactly what God asked him to do. And God said, stop, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't. Here's a ram instead. Now I know you've got faith for me, right? And, and so, but Abraham, again, through all of it, by faith, you, you are... You are who I can trust, Lord, and and so I will do what you say. That's the story that we find about Abraham. Um, As the story continues, Isaac grows up, um, and he goes and and finds a or is 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 found a wife. Her name is Rebecca, and they have two two kids, twins, um, who are wrestling in the womb. And when, when they are born and when they grow up, they, they continue to wrestle with each other. They continue to kind of be at odds. They're different. And they, they, um, uh, one of them is their dad's favorite and loves to be outside and a hunter and, you know, like a, a, uh, man of, man of the, uh, man of the earth, right? His name is Esau. And then Jacob is, is a mama's boy and he, he doesn't really like to be outside. He likes to stay close and, uh, more, more introverted, more inside kind of fella, and um, and and so their story unco- unfolds um, where they're kind of vying for attention and vying for the inheritance, and again, soap opera kind of stuff. There's trickery and all kinds of stuff that happens, um, and what ends up happening is Jacob steals, like lies to his dad and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I mean deep lie, you know, he's, uh, his dad's blind and like he dresses up and like presents himself to his blind father, like as his, as Esau and steals the inheritance. And Esau gets so mad, he's going to kill Jacob. So Jacob has to run away and, you know, he ends up getting married and the whole story of there's, uh, all kinds of wives and all kinds of kids that are born, 12 kids. And so, I mean, again, there's just all kinds of stuff that happens. Um, and then God starts to call Jacob back to make amends with Esau, to call him back to his home, to call him back to his family. And, uh, and Jacob is scared. Jacob is scared. 
Um, and so he kind of starts coming up with all these plans. You know, he, he's a man of plans. And, and again, all, the, all this scheming and all this trickery and all this, you know, what am I gonna do? And how can I present myself in such a way that he'll forgive me? And so, you know, he, he puts together all these riches and all, this, all the spices and all these animals and we're gonna send all these gifts ahead. And so maybe I can buy back his affection or buy his forgiveness, Right? So the night before they're actually going to get there is the scripture that we're going to focus in on right now. And um, this scripture, if you're reading along in the story resource, you'll find it on page 23 and 20, the bottom of 23 and into the top of 24. Or if you're reading uh, or you want to know where we're getting it from, it's uh, in the book of Genesis 32, 22 through 30. So... Again, Jacob is, uh, he's about to go meet Esau and, and here's our story. That night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. All right, so, so here's this story. Here's this passage where, um, where Jacob is, is ready, he is waiting, he is anticipating, he is fearful, he is uncertain how things are going to go. And so he sends uh, his, everything he has uh, over to the other side of the river so that he is alone. And through the night, we hear in this passage that he wrestles all night long. He wrestles. Can anybody relate to that? Have you ever spent a night, an entire night, where maybe you should have been sleeping, but instead you're wrestling? Thoughts are ringing through your mind. What if this happened? How am I going to deal with this? How, you know, what if they do this? Or how if they respond that way? What, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? You're sweating. Your heart is racing. Your muscles are tense. You're wrestling. I've been there. I've been there a lot. There are so many things that happen in this life that cause us to struggle. And not just struggle in our human relationships, but they cause us to struggle with God. Where we ask, why is this happening? How could you let this happen to me or to my family or to this situation? Are you even here? Do you know what's going on? Can't you fix this? We wrestle with God. And then there are also things, not just in our life, but in the word. Stories that we read just in this chapter alone, where we, if, if you're familiar with this or you read it, the story of, of Hagar and Ishmael, all right, in, in this chapter where, where Moses and Sarah kind of try to take things into their own hands, matters into their own hands. And so they like create this child of promise through Hagar and, and Ishmael is born. And then the jealousy kind of kicks in with Sarah and she's like, hey, I, I don't want them here anymore. So just send them away. And that God says, okay, you, you can. And so Moses sends 
Hagar and Ishmael out into the wilderness, away from the family, away from protection, away from provision, left to die. Thankfully, God shows up and takes care of them. But like there's this story that just makes me read it and say, what? How how did this get here? Why is this part of the word? God, I I don't get it. And then the story of Abraham and Isaac, where God says, this child that I've given you, go sacrifice him. And then the mama and me who waited and prayed and begged for a kid and then for God to say, go do this. And then mama is saying, oh, no, no. Why is that in the word? Why is that scripture here? I don't get it, God. I'm not buying this. I'm not digging this. I'm not understanding this. And so I struggle we struggle with some of the things that the word teaches us, that the word says to us. I, I, don't, I don't get this. And then you add a layer to the Hagar and Ishmael story to know that this is, is the founding scripture for the Islamic faith. And how does that connect to us and, and our, this family of God? Because we got Father Abraham. He's the father of many nations. He's the father of Judaism. He's the father of Christianity. He's the father of Islam. And this story of Hagar and Ishmael is the heart of Islam. What does that mean, God? I don't know. I wrestle with God. I ask questions because I don't understand So the struggles that we have in life, not understanding why things are happening the way that they are in our relationships or in our realities and and the scriptures that we encounter through the Bible, through the story. And some of them make sense and some of them cause us to wrestle and question God and doubt God. And, you know, I I, I hear these things and I want to be like Abraham and I want to have faith all the time with everything and just do what you say. But I don't get this. So we struggle. We struggle. So this passage that we read about Jacob wrestling with God through the night, what I hope that we can all hear in that is something that we can relate to. All right? And something that I want to point out, because this was one of my God moments that I hope will be a God moment for all of us, um, in that, at the end of that story, God, the wrestler, asks, what's your name? And he says, Jacob. And then he says, that will not be your name anymore. Your name will for now ever be Israel. And what Israel means is struggles with God. Now, we're familiar with Israel because it's a nation still today. But what we find in the scriptures is that the nation that God built, the nation that God created, what did he name it? What did he name the nation? Yeah, Israel. The name of God's people. The name of God's chosen community is struggles with God. That's what defines who we are. Now, God loves our faith and and leads us to faith to, to do the things that God leads us to do. God is faithful and trustworthy, and we find that in so many places, but God is 100% okay when we struggle. God invites us to do it. God wants us to do it, that when there's something that we can't understand, when there's something that we can't wrap our head around, when there's something that, that we just can't accept just yet, God says, let's wrestle. That's who we are. That's who you are. I'm... I'm big enough to wrestle with you. I'm okay to wrestle with you. I want us to wrestle until until we're in the same place, until we're, we're in the same understanding. And until we are, let's keep wrestling. It's okay to wrestle with God. And y'all, something that I, that I want to point out, okay, um, in, 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 if you read all of Jacob's story, Okay, when he prays to God, every time he prays to God, he says, 
Dear God, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, la, 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 la. Like, you know, whatever he's praying about, whatever he's asking for. Um, That night, when he's on the riverside all alone, same prayer. Dear God of my father Abraham, dear God of my father Isaac, you know, you are the one who brought me here and la, 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 please make a way, la, 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 whatever, you know, the prayer is. But he always starts it. God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. After they wrestle, after they wrestle, if you keep reading in Jacob's story, in Genesis chapter 48, verse 15, we see a prayer. And this is what he says. Joseph says, may the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless my children. So there's a change in the relationship after they wrestle. God becomes not just the God of my fathers, He becomes Jacob's God, Israel's God. The relationship becomes personal. It becomes one because because they've walked faith together. It's not something that was just passed down, but but it became personal and intimate and known. And I can tell y'all, we don't have enough time today for me to tell y'all all my testimony or all the pieces of moments where in the wrestling in the struggle, those are the times where I have met God face to face. Those are the times where God has shown up for me, where God has blessed me, where God has comforted me and strengthened me and encouraged me and loved me when we were wrestling. And so many other times, you know, it was kind of just, just walking on the faith of what I had read, walking on the faith of what I had been taught, walking on the faith that had been passed down to me, but in the struggle, in the questions, in the uncertainties where I said, God, I don't get this. Tell me why, help me understand. God became mine, became real. And that's the same experience that we see in Jacob and and the nation that God established. The name is not Abraham. The name is Israel, one who struggles. And so God calls us to faith like Abraham. God, God, there are things that, that God leads us to obey and to do, but not without the struggle. The struggle is okay. The struggle is welcome. And so today you uh, were invited to pick up a rock when you came in, a stone. And uh, if you didn't pick one up, there are some tables in the back. You can grab one later on. Um, But after, hold on, let me grab this because I'm going to need it. Um, After Jacob wrestles, And after uh, he goes and and he he goes back to Esau and, you know, Esau forgives him and they embrace and and it's just a wonderful family reunion. Um, And Jacob is celebrating. And what he he tells his whole family, uh, and you can find this uh, on page 25 in the story. And I'm sorry, my reference for what scripture is is up there, Um, but it's in Genesis. Just keep reading Genesis, you'll find it. Um, but what he says is he tells all of his family, go get rid of your foreign gods, purify yourselves, um, and then come, let us go up to Bethel, which means the house of God. Let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. And so again, that personal nature, he, he invites his whole family to come and worship God, his God. And they build an altar. And what they do, the way that they do that is that they go and they grab stones and they put them in a pile, just a big stack. And so 
when they travel and when they go back and forth, every time they see that stack of rocks, they are reminded that God showed up in the struggle, that God was with them in the time of distress, that God was my shepherd, that God took care of me even as we wrestled. And so uh, kids who I should have already sent to Kids Connect. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, If you would like to go at this time, uh, if you'll meet back here and uh, kids are invited to go to Kids Connect if they would like. Um, And then we are gonna spend some time in prayer and worship. Um, Again, if you would like to come forward, we we wanna build our own altar at Bethel, at the house of God. Uh, We want to uh, acknowledge the struggles that we have but we also want to remember that God is with us in the midst of that. And so um, this will be a time for you to think about right now in this moment, where are you and God struggling? Is there something that's going on in your life or in your situation um, where, where, where you and God are just, you're wrestling through the night. Maybe you're wrestling through the day. Um, you're asking lots of questions and you just don't understand. Maybe there's something that you're reading in the word or something that's happening in the church around us and and, and you're struggling with God. Take it to him. This is a moment where, where God is saying, it is okay to wrestle. It is okay to struggle. Come and let's wrestle together because I will show up for you. You can spend time in in individual prayer. Uh, If you want to come to the steps Uh, and use this as an altar for prayer. And if uh, you also would like somebody to pray with you, if you come forward uh, over on the sides, uh, there will be um, a couple of us who are gonna be here and and we'd be happy to pray with you about what you're struggling with. Um, But this is just an opportunity. There's gonna be music and worship to just pray and sing and be real with God. We don't have to hide anything from God. God wants us to bring whatever burden we have, whatever question we have, whatever doubt we have, whatever struggle we have, to bring it to him so that he can show up, so that he can be real to you, maybe in a way that he never has been. So come, struggle, and then let's build an altar together. Now that you've listened to the sermon, let's dive into this week's episode. So I'm going to start us off with my favorite part, the 60-second sermon summary, and then we're going to go from there. All right, here we go. So Carrie started out talking about uh, Abram, who's this old guy who was uh, trying to listen to what God had to say, uh, did a lot by faith, which she stressed. Uh, one of the big things was he didn't have any kids. And then God said, hey, you're going to populate, like, be the father of many nations. And he goes, okay, cool, but I don't have kids. And then he and his wife decided, all right, that means we need to bring in the handmaiden and make kids that way. That's not really what God wanted. So then uh, at the ripe old age of 99, he gave a son, Isaac, to uh, Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And then after all of that hard work, he, God said, Actually, I want you to sacrifice Isaac for me. And so uh, Abraham, being the loyal servant that he was, he went and said, okay, I'm going to try and sacrifice him. And then God said, just kidding. And then uh, his son, then later Jacob fought with God and got the name Israel. (laughs) All right. So uh, maybe I didn't quite get it all done. So hopefully John's going to give you a better summary than that. And uh, take it away, John. Yeah, so uh, like Patrick mentioned, uh, we started off uh, saying that this chapter covers Abraham and Sarah, Hagar and Ishmael, Isaac and, and uh, Rebekah, and then Jacob and Esau, with an emphasis on how much Abram did by faith, including packing up and leaving later in life, having a kid uh, or two later in life, um, and then being told to sacrifice Isaac, uh, which obviously wasn't very good, as kind of a by which he proved his faith. And then we uh, jumped to Isaac's son, Jacob and Esau, and that was a big old soap opera there. And eventually, uh, we went back to Jacob a- after causing a lot of trouble, coming back to meet 
Esau and and some of the games he played there, and then the night before uh, they were to meet, Jacob uh, wrestled with God, and how we all tend to wrestle with God sometimes. Uh, hopefully, we can relate to Jacob wrestling uh, with God, uh, and and people struggle with God in lots of ways. So, um, before she also emphasized that before Jacob wrestled with God, <laughs> all right, good good summary, John. Good try. Um, it's a, a lot to cram into a, a short period of time, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, break it down a little further. Uh, but let's go ahead and start at the beginning. So uh, she emphasized uh, a lot of what Abraham did by faith. Um, so there's a, a lot more of the story there uh, as far as um, things that fit into this soap opera. So uh, can someone kind of help share a little bit more of what was going on there? So he was like 75, and God says, hey, you need to move. He didn't really fill that out. He was like, "Hey, we're not going to tell you where. We're not going to tell you how to get there. We're not going to. You just, you just got to go." And I mean, I guess that makes sense for you know, old dude that's retired. Maybe they have more ability to do that than middle of life. I don't know. I mean, back then they also probably didn't have great maps that said like go to latitude, <laughs> longitude, point right. this. Like, it was kind of just go east or go my, west. My or... astrolabe <laughs> says, but it also wasn't like if I remember from the story he's. That kind of specifies he's not exactly like a poor person. Like it's like you know, move with you, your wife, and all of your stuff. And I think he originally was it his nephew who came with him, or yeah, yeah, Lot yeah, came, yeah, with him. Lot came with him. And then after a while, they're like, okay, we have so much you know stuff that you need to go somewhere else because we've filled up the land with my stuff. So it, it seems like a good problem to have, right? Exactly. So it wasn't like you know, God said, take nothing and go. Uh, this was take all of your things and start, you know, a new nation, basically. I, I don't want to get us too far off from the sermon, but something that was interesting to me is is the concept of faith when God is literally speaking to him. So, like, it's it's interesting to think about a modern-day Christian. If God is literally speaking to you, there's a chance that you, you need to seek help. But in those times, it was like... <laughs> or at like, least you will think you do. You, right, you might think you do. If you if you hear the voice of God in your head, then that's, you know... Yeah. You you might have questions. But, like, back then, it was just an accepted thing that happened. Was it, though? I mean, so it seems like it happened to so many people that it would... But it was that's just like so many people norm. over, like, hundreds of years. Or thousands of or years. Or thousands even, of years. Like, so you take... Yeah, like 30 people or 20 5,000 years. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe it just seems like it happened to everybody because those are all the <laughs> those people are the that ones are in the Bible now. Yeah. They're the ones who actually make the story because they're noteworthy. But I'm saying, it's isn't it funny that, like, how much easier would it be to have faith if you could just accept oh, yeah. that, like, God was actually talking to you? Oh, like, I was right. going to say, like, and the counterpoint, how, too, is, like, is it faith? Is it if really God, faith if God is literally <laughs> speaking right, to you? Right, it's like... How much faith do you need? I, I, there's a voice that is telling you you need to do this. Right. I mean, versus I read about the in the, in the book the story of God who told somebody else to do this, and now I'm going to right. take that. And now and make it's, that part it's on of my, my heart, life. and I'm I'm thinking about it a lot. So I'm thinking maybe that God's telling me to like it's t- it's a totally different thing. But it, you know, it's still he still it's, has to do it, right? It's so still the, a big I, in step that aspect, to move I suppose it's still faith. Yeah, himself and his family and all of the people who were traveling with him, like that's still a big step, especially at 75. Yeah, you're an old <laughs> guy and suddenly something, somebody's saying, hey, you get to pick up and go. You're like, yeah, I, you know what? I'm I, comfortable. I'm, I'm good, good, man. I, <laughs> I've got arthritis. Yeah. I'm, not move, I'm not moving real fast I these days. I got that 401k stashed away. I got I got my condo down at the beach. I think I'm good, man. I think For him, that'd probably be, then. I've got that <laughs> land. It's producing. I've got yeah. people working the land for me. Since I'm, I'm 75 <laughs> years old, I don't need to work the land anymore. Yeah. It's, a lot. Maybe that's the answer to by maybe that's how what much. Makes it yeah, faith. Right. yeah, yeah. There, there's faith there. Well, and then he has to. He's like, okay. And by the way, you're going to have a son, which you kind of. I guess that's the kind of the, the carrot at the end of the stick. I know that that's not a good way of you know looking <laughs> at it, but it's basically just this idea of like, okay, well, you have all this land, you have all these these sheep and goats, and but, but I know what you but, don't right, have. but I know what you don't have, and I know what you desperately. Yeah. want and need because if you don't have this everything that you have is going to event it's going to be destroyed and taken by other people so you you need one thing and i'm i'm the only one who can provide that for you but there's also faith there that he'll actually get a kid because i feel like by 75 he probably accepted 
this is probably not going to happen. He yeah. probably was well past the, oh, I really want this ha to happen. Please happen. Please happen. And eventually it got to the point of, okay, this is not He was probably happening. at least 35 years past. I don't <laughs> think this is going to happen. I mean, realistically, like there's no modern medicine. He can't, he can't do any of the things that you would need to do to get pregnant at that age. So yeah, uh, he probably, gave I hate to tell you this, but with modern medicine, you still can't do that <laughs> at 75. No, not at 75. No, that's what I'm saying. He's 35 years past modern medicine. But by faith, right. He got there. Well, and that's the other discussion to have to like by faith. Did he? Because he kind of took things, as we said earlier, into his own hands. And, I mean, was that by faith? So what you're alluding to there is the trying to bring in the handmaiden because things weren't working with Sarah, right? Was, was it his idea or was it Sarah's idea? Originally, I think it was Sarah's, Sarah's idea. idea. So Sarah's maybe idea. he wasn't taking it into his own hands. Sarah was taking it into her, her own hands. Therefore, Abraham did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they were on a break, people. They were on a break. <laughs> we were on. <laughs> it was her idea. So that made it totally no. kosher, right? Uh, I mean, there definitely wasn't a guy writing the story in the book who wrote that part. It's like, and it was she was totally okay with it. So. <laughs> So, the handmaiden has a child by the name of Ishmael. Ishmael. And then, do we know how much later it was that Isaac was born? Was it, like, shortly after, or was it, like... It happened when Abraham was 99, and God was telling him about the move when he was 85. Okay. So, so relatively close. So, yeah, within 15 years or so. So, was Ishmael, like, 15 years older than Isaac, potentially? Do we know Ind that? Indeterminate. Okay. Yeah, don't know. I don't know if it, I don't think the story lays out the I said the Bible might, but I don't know if the, the story I don't think did. But close enough to where one of them that Ishmael was making fun of um Hagar was making fun of Oh, it was Hagar. Sarah. I thought yeah. oh, I thought it was and That's what got so So what's the connection with Hagar? Can you explain that? Yeah, Cuz so, I think we just chalked that up to soap opera. Yeah, earlier. so so <laughs> Sarah had a, we've been saying, handmaid, servant, slave, whatever you want to call her, mm -hmm. um, named Hagar, much younger lady in the household that she said, hey, well, this person is still of childbearing age. Let's, uh, let's, let's try to, to help this along. And this is where we got the TV show The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, in case you didn't <laughs> already know that. And, um, and so Hagar had a son named Ishmael with, with Abraham. And uh, fairly shortly thereafter, started uh, effectively gloating that she had a son and Sarah didn't. Sarah, not surprisingly, was not very enthused with, <laughs> with that. <laughs> Did not Just appreciate gloating, that? Yeah, and said, hey, well, girl's got to go. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, was that yeah. girl's got to go before or after Sarah had Isaac? After? After. I don't know. Uh, Isaac was born, I believe, at that point. Okay. Uh, so I do want to circle back real quick to the idea of, you know, we say, oh, Sarah's taking it into her own hands. But from her perspective, it could be by faith to her that she's trying to do what God wanted. Because if she's thinking, well, God said Abraham is going to populate many nations or be the father of many nations, and thinking, I can't have kids. I know exactly how he can do that. Let me help that along. And trying to help support her husband to fulfill God's will. That may not be something she wanted to do, but maybe something she thought, well, I guess maybe this God is Maybe God wanted her to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of raises an interesting question of what, what is taking too much into your own hands versus, like, doing what God well, wants to do. Well, she was trying do. to take some control. She was trying to say, like, my, my body is not doing this. And so there's kind of two ways you can look at it, I think about, as is that if you were in that situation, would you say, one, I don't want to be the reason that God's promise isn't kept, which would be, you know, perfectly, you know, logical. It's like, I'm, one of the things here is not working, that God said that he's not the problem, so it must be me. 
So the only way that I can have any kind of control over this is to say, here, be with my handmaid, who still is under, you know, under me in the totem pole. Well, that's where you circle back to the discussion that we were starting out with, which is how is it faith if God is telling you exactly what to do? And I think that the faith part is I have to surrender the control of I can't have kids, so I need to find a way for Abraham to have kids. You have to surrender that control and believe okay, if God says he's going to provide a child, then he's going to provide a child. And if he says he's going to do it through me, then I believe that he can do it through me. That I think that's where the faith comes in. Even if God is speaking directly to a situation, you still have to believe that it's possible for that thing to happen. I think that's... Uh, that's it's extremely hard for a 90-year-old <laughs> woman, but, you know, it, that's what makes it faith, right? That's, if yeah, it was easy, so. everybody would do it. That's what, that's what baseball coaches say, right? If it was e- easy, everybody would do it. Uh, I guess so. Although it is, like we said, maybe theoretically easier if uh, you actually have God speaking to you to say, oh, I, I understood this right, as yeah. opposed to yeah. now I feel like we struggle with, well, what is it exactly that God wanted me to do? This so is anyway, one of those we, things in management we, we got call a lot of ground feedback. to cover, though. Let's go, we got to keep yeah. this moving. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's uh, uh, several generations the, still to go. The big... You know the the what at least what Carrie pointed out is a proof of faith that I, she said and I and I echo. I think I'd say I don't know about all that. Is uh, the whole so after after um, so after Sarah got pregnant, she had a son named Isaac who is it literally means laughter because Sarah got told she'd be pregnant and she laughed. So <laughs> that, that that's that's cute and all, but what really is going to happen? And uh, so they had had a baby pretty late in life and then god said hey cool glad you had a baby uh hey you're gonna go sacrifice him wait what yeah <laughs> right what and i think I, at that point that's the point i'd be like hey these voices gotta go i'm i'm <laughs> out on this now um and then, i must not be hearing them right yes, i must be crazy I, I think i misheard something <laughs> but that's that's absurd at this point too like the voices that told you that he was going to be born were right that's a good point i mean yeah. so i mean not you saying it wasn't possible, and then it happened. I am not saying follow all the voices in your head. <laughs> I'm still, but, man. But I, in this case, he was like, okay, I have now had a son that the voice told me that I was going to have in an incredibly old age. So, but yeah. in, in, in case you, you haven't read the book on this one, so he's told to go sacrifice Isaac. Abraham is like, ready to comply with this and takes him out, mm-hmm. builds up an altar and is ready to do the deed. And, and Isaac said, knows that this is about yeah, to and happen. At this point, Isaac has figured out what's going on. And, and yeah, he's, not, Isaac, he's not like a little baby. He's like a full grown man. Uh, I think uh, he's like a teenager. teenager. Yeah, yeah. Child. I was thinking like smart enough. He's, he's conscious. Yeah. yeah, he, he yeah. He's smart enough to go, hey dad, so <laughs> we built an altar. <laughs> Where's the <laughs> You have like the knife. There's stuff to burn. Where's the goat? Neighbor, <laughs> and, and Daddy says, "God will provide." There is no goat. Like that. Son, you're the goat, <laughs> and, and the greatest so, of all time. And 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 so Abraham is ready to century? do this. I've, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> and and God says, "Wait, hold up. All right, close enough. Good enough. You're fixing to do it. Hold up. There was a ram. You you proved it." <laughs> All right, and so and so I that almost was, lost it there. Yeah, and so that was that was proving faith. At that point, the sermon jumps ahead. Uh, so Isaac grows up, has a couple kids named Jacob and Esau, who weren't exactly the ideal brothers. Anybody want to fill that one out? They were hardly brothers at all. Like they were total opposites. They were yin and yang. But they were, twins. But they were twins mm-hmm. who wrestled. In the womb, in the yeah, which was a precursor to one one of them wrestling later on in life. So the yin and yang, one becomes like an outdoorsman, a hunter, and the other one is daddy's uh, favorite. Uh, yeah, the outdoorsman, the hunter's daddy's favorite. The oldest of the two. The oldest by minutes or minutes. something. Right, Literally, they came out one holding the heel. So <laughs> Esau came out first, daddy's boy. Yeah. Jacob came out holding, holding the, on heel, to the heel, trying to get in. Not that they ever could have gotten them mixed up in that time. <laughs> right. <Of course> not. <laughs> And then Esau, the secondborn, was Jacob more. Secondborn. Sorry, Jacob, secondborn. Trying to not confuse y'all. Um, <laughs> the secondborn was more of a at-home at body, helping out around the. 
campfire. I think it, it was the mama's boy. I think it was a mama's boy. And a little bit more kind of, kind of conniving. Right. <laughs> he he was the Loki to uh, the to Thor. Thor. <laughs> it's a pretty good analogy. Uh, that is a really good analogy. <laughs> it is. Except he wasn't adopted. That's that's, that's true. He was not adopted. So twins, Thor and Loki. <laughs> Thor would be who in this case? Esau. 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 And Loki would be Jacob. Jacob. So then what happens? Jacob steals Esau's birthright by covering himself in hair. Well, first he buys it. Yeah, there's two there's two sides of that, right? So at one point Esau's been working out in the field, literally thinks he's dying, you know. Because oh, he's working yeah, so yeah. hard and he's like starving. Right, I'm starving. Starving <laughs> death, and, and he comes in, and Jacob's the one that he sees first. And <laughs> the mama's says, boy's been making. Hey, soup. man, I need something to eat. And Jacob goes, "Okay, what I do you pay you. me for it? Yeah, what, what do you give me for it? Will you give me your birthright, your entire inheritance?" <laughs> and and Esau says, "Man, what good's an inheritance if I'm dead?" <laughs> which is accurate. Which, which is which is a solid point. He wasn't wrong. So he gives over his inheritance. <clears throat> then he has to get he has to get his father's blessing though. Yep. Yeah, that, that's when that, he that's meaningless at that point, right? Who cares what, what the, the one who hasn't gotten it yet says? Right. So then he then he like covers himself in hair because mm-hmm. Esau is very hairy and Jacob is more like And whose idea was this? This was the mom's idea. Yes. So he <laughs> because he's the mama's boy. Right. Mom's so he favorite. and his mom came up with this plan to cover him in hair because Esau was hairy and and Jacob was not. And uh, and did we mention old school Isaac, soap opera? Yeah, Isaac. Yes. Isaac was like going blind. blind or fully blind at this time. So all he had to go by was like reaching out and feeling his son's arm to see who it was and smelling him. And he, yeah, and he smelled him. And but if I remember correctly, Jacob had like covered himself in and dirt and yep. other yeah. things, yeah. other grosser things, so that he smelled like he'd been working out in the fields, even though he just went outside and rolled around in it for a minute. And, uh, and yeah, so he, he kind of stole it from his brother, and then he confirmed that theft with his father. So he tricked his father, and then his father said, what? Basically, I'd be... You can have the right. Uh, he got his blessing. He got, got the blessing, blessing for the for the birthright for the inheritance. Right. Yeah. And then what's the first thing he does after that? <laughs> Doesn't he skip town? He, yeah, runs, he runs away. away. <laughs> he immediately runs away. <laughs> right. I've because gotten, he's afraid of what his brother. He's will afraid do. of Esau. Yeah. He thinks yeah, big, that Esau's gonna manly man. Dude's gonna like man bump this. Yeah. So <laughs> he bought his you. birthright, <laughs> stole his blessing, and then leaves town with nothing. For the same reason as Esau, right? Like, right. what good is this inheritance that I've just stolen if, <laughs> if, I'm if dead. my brother kills me? He finally thought about what he had done. Yes, I did it. I've got this inheritance. Oh, oh no. wait. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to be mad. And if he's mad at me, bad things right. could happen. So in in the sermon, it fa- you, uh, we we fast forward, and, and honestly, in, in scripturally, it fast forwards too to later on. Jacob has done fairly well in his own right, uh, you know, with with his own land, property, stuff, household, and so on. And, and they come back, and he's and he's fixing to reunite with Esau, and he's kind of nervous about it uh, for <laughs> understandable <laughs> reasons. And so, like the night before, like he's come up with some trick to make his 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 uh, household or his mm-hmm. stuff seemed bigger, whatever, strategery around trying to he was look, smart. He was look a smart, big. cunning yeah, guy. Conniving guy still, um, trying to look big in front of Esau because he, he's nervous. He didn't want Esau to go, ha, weakling Jacob, I'm just going to go kill him now after umpteen years and, and figure it out. In any case... He and he sent, bribed him too, right? Oh, yeah, he sent all kinds of stuff uh, uh, forward. But in any case, the night before Jacob himself is fixing to go meet Esau, he has sent everyone in his household um, forward, including four hundred sur- soldiers or servants. He sent yes. he sent most of a standing army to yes. go <laughs> greet his brother. Um, but it was like a here, let me greet you to see, make you think right. I have. If you all can yes. kill all four hundred of these guys, then I might go the other direction. Yeah. And I'm still by myself on the other side. Yeah, he's still by himself. And for some reason, a guy comes by and they decide to wrestle. 
because that's you know why not um in any case i don't case, think the bible really says much more on why it just no, says no it just says there's there's and they wrestled i looked there's there's not a good reason for why they they just didn't. <laughs> nobody was offended by the other one yeah. it was just and, and they wrestled and they wrestled and uh, Jacob was starting to get the upper hand in this, apparently. And then the man, as he's described in uh, the Bible, uh, touches Jacob's hip and dislocates it. And uh, uh, Cliff notes, spoiler alert, the man was actually God. And God said, no, nah, I'm not losing this. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. Um, I just made you think you had a chance. Yeah. I'm going to use a little more power now. Oh. There goes your hip. Yeah, there goes your hip. Let's talk now. I, I kind of hope he pulled the old, I don't know my own strength. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Yes, I do. I'm God. And, and, uh, and so through that, uh, the man reveals himself as being God mm-hmm. and uh, says, from here on out, we're gonna, your, your name will be Israel, which means like literally he who struggles with God. Which is an interesting point. Carrie make, makes the point that the nation that God chose to be, you know, his people, his chosen people, he literally names the people that struggle with God, mm-hmm. that wrestle with God, which is an interesting an interesting thought, at least. I mean, that seems, why do y'all think that's necessary? That seems like an odd mm-hmm. thing to require or to, yeah. to I, bestow on that. If I recall, too, like the full translation is like, one who wrestles with God and survived. Yeah. And I was just like, that's a pretty big deal because, like you said, I mean, you look at the Hebrew nation throughout and going forward, people are constantly trying to, spoiler alert, kill all of them and or enslave all of them. And they continue to survive. And every time they grow and their influence grows more and more. Yeah. From Pharaoh to World War Two to right. modern day <laughs> to now. To now. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess Still today. So I guess it's kind of foreshadowing of like, it's going to be rough, but you're going to survive. And, and you know, I, it, I really did like, I'd never thought of it before, but Carrie's point that before wrestling with God, uh, whenever Jacob got in a bind and, and, and prayed in the Bible, he said, God of my father Isaac God of, or, and or God of my grandfather Abraham. He was, mm-hmm. was always, you know, my dad, my granddad's God, Ooh, not my do God. this. And then afterwards, it, the the next time he addresses God, he's he it's it's my God, it's 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 uh, the one who I wrestled with, the one who I have come face to face with, my God who has saved me and my house. It's a personal I, relationship. It's a personal relationship, hmm. which which Carrie then went on to emphasize as you know sometimes it's the struggle that makes it makes real. it personal, that makes it real to you. Uh, have y'all seen that? Do, do y'all think that's that's legitimate? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like people grow in their faith most through the struggle. And the struggle either turns people away or it makes you grow in that faith because you have to lean into it. At least that's been my personal experience. I know for me, having dealt with like a sick family member, I definitely grew stronger in my faith going through that as opposed to hmm. when times are good. Sometimes it's easier to be like, oh, yeah, OK, whatever. Like it, you don't really have any you don't need to lean on it. That's just been my experience, though. I mean, what do y'all think? I mean, I haven't had to go through the same struggles as Israel, <laughs> but um, you know, I've had I've had job struggles that I've had to pray about. That um, like, especially right after college, when I had no job experience, it was very difficult to find a job. Um, that really strengthened my faith. Um, I, we had family planning struggles that we we struggled through for a long time, and that that really kicked my faith into high gear. And it's I yeah I absolutely believe that it's true that the the harder things get the more you have to lean on um, on the most important aspects of your life which I think is it's for for me it's my faith and apparently for Jacob as well or for Israel <laughs> I uh, I knew of a pastor who had been going to a mentor of his asking for like hey I want you to pray for me and asking for he wanted to grow in his relationship with God. And he, the mentor basically said, are you sure you want this? And he goes, yes, I want to become a better pastor. And he goes, okay, I pray for God to wound you deeply. And the younger pastor was really upset because he was like, what are you doing? What a jerk. 
Years, yeah. Excuse me? What was that? <laughs> years later, I had had him as he was a little bit older of a pastor at that point, and he's preaching and going, I never got to thank him, but I do understand now. Um, it was not fun. I wish I had not prayed for that, but I am much stronger in my faith now than I was then. And I think there's a, that's always stuck with me, um, partially just because it's funny to think about somebody going, mm-hmm. I pray for God to wound you deeply. Yep. But it also, the point really has stuck with me. I, I liked, uh, in, along those same lines, uh, the next part of the, the sermon, they had the little illustration. They'd given everybody in the service a, a little rock, and they mentioned that Jacob, immediately after this whole wrestling with, with God uh, incident, is incident even the right word for that? That seems Encounter. like a... Like, that seems like it's a... It's really a, downplaying yeah. a wrestling match with <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, wrestling match with God. Incident... Oh, okay. Turning it's an incident point report. in the world, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he went and built a an altar, which was effectively a stack of rocks, a pile of rocks, but mm-hmm. but a big pile. Everybody, and at this point, we had what four hundred soldier servants, whatever, bunch of people, pile of rocks. It would be noticeable, right? And the whole point of that was to remind them uh, of that struggle of what God had done for them and specifically of the struggle that 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 represented at that point so every time they passed that rock they passed that altar um, they would be reminded of the struggle and what that means in terms of what they need to deal with and in terms of what that means uh, for them to 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 embrace the the hardships that come so I, I thought that was a neat point I'd never thought about it either The name of that place is Bethel, but I have nothing else to add. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Good context. Thank you. And with that context, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, You heard it here on What Did I Just Hear. Uh, Until next time. Any of you who are really good workout folks, you know that in the tension. That's where the strength is built, right? The resistance training that comes makes you stronger than you could ever be. When we bring our tensions, when we bring our wrestling, when we bring our struggles to God, that resistance training, it builds us up makes us stronger than we were and it allows us to step out in faith in ways that we never could before. If any of y'all know me well, you know that control freak right here, okay? It's the same with God for me. I I like to know the plan. I I I like to see it all out in front of me. I want to know every step of the way. And when when we take a turn that I don't understand, I fight. I fight God with it. But there have been moments, seasons, that were hard ones, tough ones, difficult ones, where I wrestled with God. And I, I learned to just take that last finger off of trying to control things. And in those moments, after we wrestle and when I, when I step out in faith and just let God lead, those have been the moments where the most amazing and beautiful and powerful things have ever happened. But it took the struggle. It took the struggle to get there. So don't be afraid of the struggle. But when you find yourself in the midst of that, sometimes our tendency is to run away But God says, no, you are a people of struggle. That is who I created you to be. That is who I want you to be. So run towards me in the struggle. Run towards me and let's wrestle it until we get there together. Because God will not leave you in the struggle. God will not abandon you in the questions. God will wrestle with you as long as it takes. And God will take care of you and he will provide for you and he will love you and he will strengthen you through the process so that faith, faith is what follows. So let's wrestle, cross-connect. 
Let's wrestle, brothers and sisters, until we are strong enough to do what it is that God is leading us to do. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you.